and welcome to another episode of All That Film. Wow, who would have thought the Oscars would actually happen this year, allegedly? We're still not sure. Uh, but with that said, right before the final <laughs> awards are given out, we're going to delve into our rankings of the best picture films, all eight of them. Uh, I'm your host, Hay, and I'm joined with an illustrious group of three, Todd, Lindsay, and Nick from Spirit Man Studios. Welcome. Hello. Yay. <laughs> oh, and <laughs> no, that just fully okay. echoed. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be fine. Um, all good here. But as I mentioned, um, so I, I'll just throw this out there. I haven't seen The Father, so I'll be doing uh, a top seven. Um, everyone else here has seen The Father, so if you're thinking, oh, you're just doing this because you said earlier you don't think The Father's a real movie, yes, I am. I would like you to respect my solidarity on the father not being real. Um, everybody else has, you know, gone away from from my truth. Um, <laughs> so that's what, my, we'll, that's what my roommate said when I turned it on. I was like, okay, I'm gonna watch the father now, and she was like, it exists. <laughs> I was like, apparently so. <laughs> no. Um, but with, with that said, before we start, the one thing I will say, there are only eight movies. So I just wanted to talk about real quick, cause there's up to 10 slots and I wanted to go through, this was trending on Twitter, which I thought was cool. It's, it's also one of the, uh, showdown questions we're going to do, which Nick, uh, will be on. So I'll, I'll rewrite it or something, Nick, we'll figure it out. But, uh, what would y'all pick for your other two? Oscars, Nick, I'll let you go first. What what two other films would you pick for Best Picture? Let's see here. Uh, I'm trying to remember what I said. Uh, I said The Five Bloods and Wolfwalkers. The Five Bloods, because of the history it talks about with the after effects of the Vietnam War in relation to how Black Americans were used in wars to gain their freedom, and they still haven't gotten it to this day. Wolfwalkers, because it is a well-crafted animated film that looks at how colonialism destroys the environment, which is almost rarely talked about, especially in children's media, to the extent that uh, this movie portrays it as. Nice. Awesome. Uh, Lindsay, what would be the two extras that you would add? Um, is this, like, what I think would okay, have, like, could have we'll, gotten we'll, in or so, like what i would uh, Lindsay, Lindsay, if we're being honest you would go with birds of prey and love and monsters but that's realistically that's 100% what i would think <laughs> so i was like how realistic should i be here well those, that's the correct answer if we're being honest here but yeah no semi-realistic um you know films okay. were that were kind of pushed out as an awards contender but with that said both of those two aforementioned movies were nominated for oscars nope birds of prey was not Oh, that! Uh, why? It's I forgot. Lo- I know it sucks. <laughs> it should have gotten a best picture nomination. <laughs> um. Okay. So realistically, I would include Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and Wolfwalkers. Um. I don't even really like Ma Rainey's Black Bottom that much, but I was surprised that it got let out. Um. And I just really want to see Viola Davis succeed, so I wanted that in. Um. And Wolfwalkers because it's the best movie ever. That's fair. Wow. Two Wolfwalkers so far. Todd, what would you have gone with? Uh, I would have gone with 
The same as Lindsay, Wolfwater Walkers and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I actually liked Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. If we were just picking what we want more than anything, that wouldn't have been my pick. But as far as like an Oscar style pick, I liked it. And Wolfwalkers, to me, honestly, I'm shocked didn't get nominated for Best Picture. And I'm shocked is probably going to lose Best Animated Picture. I think it's the best, one of the best films of the year, not named. I'm thinking of ending things. But uh, anyway, oh so God. yeah. <laughs> Uh, so be- but because it. we're going, oh, please. because we're going realistic here, um, I went with Bloodshot and Tenet. Uh, Stop no. it! You didn't, <laughs> you didn't no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, I would. I mean, the easy one for me, first cow. I don't understand how it wasn't nominated. Uh, look, this this movie got screwed because it was it was about to come out wide, baby. I was gonna see that cow in theaters, and they took her from me um that's fine um and then the other one i have wolf walkers higher but i don't think it was as closer as soul uh and i still think soul like soul picked up like a lot of nominations um so <clears throat> i i don't know i would have i would have liked to see it nominated for best picture even though i don't think it's like pixar's best the other one i throw out maybe if if i don't um do soul is either Bad education, which you could argue is not an awards contender at all, because um, it was just—I don't—I don't know what happened with that movie. It came out last or 2019 um, for award stuff, so maybe that's why. But Sound of Metal clearly still has legs. Um, but the other one is Never Rarely, Sometimes Always. Um, I think that could have gotten some got acting love, only got director two. love. Yeah, look, Lindsay, it's my podcast, so I get four picks. Um, no, but we'll, we'll move on. To Can I name number... a movie I liked this year also? Okay. All right. Um, we'll get straight into it. Um, I, of course, have Father, The Father Last um, because it's not a real movie, and I refuse to believe so. Uh, but we'll go in the rest of the order. Uh, Todd, what do you have at your number eight spot for best picture? In my number eight, the ultimate sin is boredom when it comes to movies for me. And I went with what I consider to be one of the more boring films I saw this year, despite its production quality. Uh, I went with Mank in number eight. Valid. Wow. All right. Yeah. Write, Something's got to be down to keep tabs. Um, I keep the tabs on y'all. Also, y'all might ask what you have left at the end. Um, <laughs> but L- Lindsay, what is what is your last place, eighth place, whatever um, you want to call it? Similar thought process with Todd, where I was like, I have to pick the most boring. Um, but for that, for me, that was the trial of the Chicago Seven because it didn't even have an Amanda Seyfried for me to look at. It was so many. um yeah um the trial of the chicago seven i just didn't like i don't like courtroom dramas and i don't like centrist rewrites of history and it was boring so that's my number eight yeah speaking speaking of which the news of uh adam mckay and aaron sorkin going at <laughs> oh man. Um yeah, no, that's definitely fair. Um that will show up later. 
on some of our lists. Um, but Nick, uh, what is going to be your last place one? And actually, Nick, you can do um, eighth place and seventh because uh, we'll do we'll do it snake style like we normally do. So my number eight is in agreement with Todd. I think Make is the worst one out of all of them. Uh, it's I don't think it's necessarily boring, but more of the long lines of it's a safe movie to be making because Hollywood really loves it when you you know please them very much so. And if you have good production quality, which it kind of has, when where it replicates a lot of the stuff, it's like okay, you're kind of safe, but you're not really saying much of anything. So Mank is just kind of the worst one out of it. Um, and then my number seven is Trial of the Chicago 7. Um, it's a little bit of a centrist rewrite. There is some good performances, don't get me wrong, and there can be some good courtroom dramas, but it's not it's not quite up there with like other ones that I've liked over the years. So it's, it's just not there. It's just basically around right. the direction that makes it not great. Performances are good, direction is just not great. Gotcha. Thank you, Nick. Uh, we'll move back to Lindsay. What's going to be your pick here, Lindsay, for number seven? Yeah, now it's time for Mink. <laughs> <laughs> so boring. <laughs> hmm. He thinks I have a different list than the rest of the group. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, no, I I don't think I could tell you a single thing that happened in Mink. My mind just went completely <laughs> blank the second that it started. I was like, oh, I don't care about this in the slightest. And I don't even think it looked good. And I, I love David Fincher, which made it even more of a disappointment for me. So, yeah. I mean, it's no Benjamin Button. We can all agree. <laughs> <laughs> don't you don't you fucking start with Benjamin Button. <laughs> Wait, I have a quick question, Todd. If, mm-hmm. if 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 Tom Hanks had been in the titular titular role <laughs> of the Benjamin of House Buttons, what would you think of that movie? I honestly think it would become my least favorite movie I'd ever watched. It's already it's already one of my least favorite blockbusters. But if you add his schmaltzy uh like uh smarminess i would uh i i don't think i could handle it 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 wouldn't be good for me so thanks for putting that image in my head i'm gonna have nightmares tonight (laughs) you're welcome uh i'll move to myself uh for number seven uh this is a little contentious because it's probably gonna win best picture so that's fine at number seven i have nomad land um and I think I'll, in fairness, I think I want to give this one a rewatch again. Um, it just really didn't capture me. I'm really glad, like, a lot of other people are really resonating with uh, it, especially because Chloe Zhao's style of filmmaking is not one that's normally, like, accepted for, for Oscar stuffs. And it's very quiet and it's very um, pensive in, in the way it does things, which is neat. Um, I'll definitely give it that. But. With that said, we'll move to Todd. You have a back-to-back here. Um, okay. I assume <laughs> what your number seven will be, but I'm know. interested. Okay, yeah, my number seven. We just had different orders of boring. It seems like the three of us, because my number seven is the trial <laughs> of the Chicago Seven. <laughs> A movie where when I look back on it, I remember that one scene where. Um, 
they uh, I'm temporarily blanking on the historical figure's name, but where they bound and gag him and put him in the feet, you know, like in the middle of the uh, courtroom. I'm remembering the ending that made them feel like heroes when in a kind of weird way. And that's about all I'm remembering from it. It was pretty standard. I agree with Nick that it's uh, even a, compared to other you know, like famous uh, courtroom procedurals. It's kind of boring. Just wasn't my thing. Trial of Chicago 7 is number seven for me. So I am am shocked. Um, But you you have number six as well. (laughs) All right. In number six, the first mention, I am going with a film that for me, I, this was even controversial for me and like amongst uh, some of the people here. I thought it worked okay for a little while and then was just horrible, horrible, epically horrible at the end, but had a bunch of problems, but at the very least was damn watchable. So I'm going Promising Young Woman in number six. Nice. Um, mm-hmm. Well, it's back to me and I will also agree with that. I have Promising Young Woman at number um, six. And for anyone listening um, to the podcast for the first time, uh, yes, I am a flaming misogynist, I guess. Oh, my God. <laughs> I have Nomadland and Promising a, um, Young Woman uh, back-to-back. But no, I, it, Emerald Fennell is a director that I'm really interested in um, going forward. I think specifically, like, she really proved to be uh, brilliant in terms of visual styles, um, and I know I get, I've heard from some people that they don't like uh, the way some scenes looks. I, I I thought the whole atmosphere of the movie was awesome. Um, I I for sure do not hate this movie. Um, it just angers me the way it chose to um, in certain ideas and themes of it. Uh, and but I, I do think it's. It's one of those weird ones where I do think it's important and I feel the same way about what I have for number five as well. Um, so we'll get into But Lindsay, um, what is your number six? There's a trend here, but my number six is also Promising Young Woman. Um, I just, I have a lot, a lot of issues with this movie, but it does beat out the two boring movies because at least it's not boring. Um, but yeah, no, I have a lot of issues with the way that this movie choose make some decisions and the way it ends in particular um but i do agree that emerald Fennell has a lot of promise as a director um i do like a lot you of could, how this you movie... could call her a, a promising young woman stop it huh? stop it what? <laughs> <laughs> um, i mean it was an amazing cast um amazing like uh, soundtrack, honestly, like bops. Um, it was really just a really bad screenplay that I just didn't like. Um, but I can see, I can see the appeal of it for some people. Um, I don't know. That's, it's a complicated that's the award. One. It's gonna win for. Yee. I know that's insane, <laughs> but they should have a category for like best use of a Paris Hilton song or something. <laughs> Um, but with that said, Nick, you get it back to back again. What are you picking six and five? Okay, so uh, before we were recording, I was actually scrolling down with all my, you know, ranking them. And five and six, you could either you could switch one of these out for the other one, and I would be indifferent. 
But number six is The Father. Um, I actually watched it, um, and it's actually pretty decent. I think the editing... <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think I think the performance by Anthony Hopkins is the strongest part of this whole movie, and it's basically the backbone of everything that happens in the film. The editing and the way it passes through time is really effective for getting into the headspace of the main character, which is Anthony Hopkins is the father, uh, coincidentally named Anthony. But I also think one of the things that doesn't necessarily stand out here is just like, if you had no star power at all, the editing would be cool, but it just doesn't have that same, you know, it's not boring. I enjoyed it. I think it's just, it's just kind of safe. You know what I mean? It's like one of those safe things like the two popes. As much as I enjoyed that one as well, it's just kind of like, okay, we'll just throw it on here because, you know, famous actors in here. Uh, that's just my thought with that. Um, and then number five is Promising Young Woman. Even like You could switch these two around, and honestly, I'm fine with it. Uh, but Promising Young Woman, I have a lot of the same thoughts. Um, I gave it a rewatch, and yeah, the third act doesn't necessarily hold up so well. I just think, like, with the initial viewing for me, I was like, yeah, like, the third act is pretty fun. I liked it. I liked how it pays off. But then once you start to think about it more, it's like, okay, yeah, that doesn't quite work in the way I thought it was going to work. Okay. Uh, but I did enjoy the performances. I liked Bo Burnham as this surprise character that he does. I liked Carrie Mulligan. I liked um, a lot. I, I even liked the cinematography and the use of Britney Spears. I, I like the use of Britney Spears in this film, uh, yeah. oddly enough. It's used pretty well. Um, and that's kind of just my thoughts with number six and number five. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Um... Uh, you know, you said they were interchangeable. You could have had Promising Young Woman for all sixes. I know, right? Yeah. But Lindsay, <laughs> you're, you're back up with number five. Um, also, <laughs> I, I, I appreciate the slight jab that I actually watched it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um, my number five is Sound of Metal. Um, it's It's a pretty good movie. I really like um, like some parts of it are like really, really strong. I think Riz Ahmed is amazing. I think the sound design is amazing. I think some of the places it takes the story towards the end are a little strange, um, especially after hearing Drew's perspective on it. Um, so I, I don't know. I think I have some issues with the way that the screenplay decided to demonize him getting the implants. I thought that was kind of strange. Also, spoiler, sorry. Um, is that okay? Should I? <laughs> Should I not have? Uh, I might. I might do some okay. editing with it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, I have some issues with the ending. Um, but I think it's a very. Um, I don't know. I think it's important in that it's like I hope other movies like this get made. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's it's good, but not great. So that's why it's number five for me. Uh, um, and I am going to uh, copy your homework on this one, Lindsay, because I also have Sound of Metal <laughs> at number five. Uh, and for a lot of similar reasons. And I even it's almost similar to um, Promising. Like I have Promising Young Woman and Sound of Metal. Uh, it's interesting Nick brought up that Promising was hand in hand with another movie because that's the same thing for me with Sound of Metal. I think these could be interchangeable. Um, they 
both tackle, and they are not similar at all, just to be clear, but they both tackle type of story that doesn't really get, like movies don't get made about it. And like best picture movies, especially don't get made about it. Um, and I think it gets very close, both of them, Sound of Metal uh, specifically. There's a lot it's talking about. I would love to hear more on the director's intent, similar to kind of some of the things Lindsay was talking about. Um, sound design is is next level. Um, the best sound design I've seen in a movie or uh, next to Baby Driver. Up, like it's really up there. Um, but yeah, that's going to be my pick. And Todd, you have another back-to-back. Whenever you get a chance, Todd, don't worry. I'll cover for you. No, I'm and good. I'll talk about <laughs> <Anyway>. movies. <laughs> I'm good. So anyway, interesting perspectives. I'm also going with Sound of Metal. Look, it's weird because we have oh my a, God. <laughs> yeah, we have a we have a mutual friend, a lot of us, who has one specific take. You know what I mean? Like on the end of this movie. And I understand that. I'm in a weird position where I have also another friend who deals with similar issues who has the opposite take on this film. So like I've kind of heard both perspectives, if that makes sense, on like how this represents Mm -hmm. certain parts of the community, which leaves me thinking this does represent some people and it maybe doesn't represent other people as well. So I don't know what to do with that. It's like a weird position, but overall, I I love there's Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there are there's, competing there's perspectives on this film. Yeah, yeah, it, it's with a lot of art. To, it's it's just interesting how that works out because I'm sure if you you know, it would just it, <laughs> it's just funny to think about. Like, obviously, this is the like dystopian like version of this or whatever. Sure, but sure, yeah, yeah. If 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 someone went like showed every Korean American Minari and they were like, hey, is this? correct to you or what it, like you know right, obviously yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah everybody has to agree like all you know um, no no there yeah that's my point there's just that, obviously, that's, a good, that's a good point to bring up Todd yeah yeah there are different perspectives on this so it doesn't make me say like have questions about it in the same way I kind of just think of it as representing some perspectives not representing other perspectives um I liked the film but for me, it just didn't have the staying power of the other four. Um, I think it's pretty good. You know, this was like a seven out of 10 for me. Um, like I like it as a film. Uh, Riz Ahmed is wonderful in it. It just didn't have quite the oomph of the other four movies for me. So that was five, right? Um, you got number four five. as well. All right. And so for number four, I actually go with Nomadland, a film that I really liked when I watched but it just doesn't stick with me as much as I wanted it to. Um, And as much as the other three films did, Uh, the cinematography is amazing. It's still my vote for cinematography. And I'm a fan of Chloe Zhao's direction. There are just certain parts of the film that didn't like stay with me the way that I wanted them to stay with me. But at this point I'm kind of picking nits because I like the whole you know what I mean? Like basically uh, slate of the top four. But that's my number four is Nomadland. Yeah, so it's it's funny you were talking about how everyone, um, you know, different perspectives on movies. Because uh, at yeah, number yeah. four, I got Mank, baby! Um, <laughs> I think Mank is super fun. 
I really enjoyed it in the theater, and I was waiting to say this because I had the funniest experience with Meg, uh, where I was super pissed. I ran into uh, like a fence post or something. I, I dinged my car on something like while I was parking in the theater because I went to this old timey indie theater uh, in my town, uh, masked up, of course. Um, and I uh, I really enjoyed it. I and maybe it's because it was an old timey theater. It was homaging older movies. So maybe that's what was working for it. Who knows? Um, and I just fell for it. Um, but yeah, no, I really I really enjoyed Mank. I thought Gary Oldman was great. Is he the top five performance of the year for me? Probably oh. not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, my th- again, my thing is is if you make a deal with a fat suit, like you don't you don't get an Oscar anymore because you had to <laughs> you had your moment. darkest hour. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> give Delroy his moment. And I don't even love Five Bloods like as much um, as everybody else, but that would have been cool. Um, but with that said, I'll move to Lindsay after uh my my Mank speech. Um, what is your number four? My number four is the father. Um I was I kind of had written this movie off just because I was like, this doesn't exist. And it it's based on a play and it's like old white guy. You know what I mean? Like it's, I was like, okay, it's an Oscar movie. Um, but it was surprisingly good. Like it, it made me very emotional and it was really creative too. I wasn't expecting that. Um, it just, uh, I mean, it's really hard when you get to this, these top four, cause I think they're all great movies. Um, so it just didn't resonate with me personally as much as the other three, but I was very pleasantly surprised by how good the father actually was. Nice. Awesome. Uh, and then we'll go to Nick. Nick's got a back to back again. Isn't it fun to be on the end like Todd and Nick, where you get two picks in a row and you get all the time in the world to talk. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So for night, my number four is the sound of metal. I think Riz Ahmed did an amazing job playing this character who isn't necessarily keen on, you know, having his life change. He's not used to changes. He's always been kind of, you know, keeping up with the rhythm of his own life. And then something, you know, goes out of rhythm for his own life. And he has to try to adapt to that. And I can see his struggle in some cases, um, especially with his conflict with getting, you know, what he does. Right. Um, And all that stuff. But yeah, it's definitely not going to represent everything. But it is a film that it actually made me more interested to study American sign language, which is what Riz Ahmed was saying in terms of the making of the films that he wanted more awareness for American sign language and to, you know, notice that, you know, Hey, there's other people here that may not be able to hear you, but you can still communicate with them. Um, and it's, it is such a good little thing. And the sound design, if you wear headphones or have a good surround sound, the sound design is just really well done. Like shifting perspectives, the way it goes through the different, you know, sound designs uh, between perspectives, it's great. I think that was really good. Uh, number three is, yeah, my number three is No Man Land. Um, I really like this film. Um, it might win Best Picture. I don't think it's Chloe Zhao's best film, but I do think it is a really, it's still well directed. She is still a credible director. I liked her work in The Writer, I like her work here. 
I'm sure I'm going to love the Eternals because, you know, it's Chloe Zhao and it's also Marvel, which I'm a fanboy of. But, you know, but No Man Land to me was more of a contemplation of a film. It's not necessarily trying to tell you what to think, but more how to feel with what they're trying to, you know, portray here. I feel I, it has a lot of different, like, different interpretations online. And sure, there are certain elements that probably could have been delved in a little bit more. And I've heard a lot of people complain about, like, oh, they, she didn't go deeper into the Amazon business because that's, like, the topical thing to talk about right now. But, like, that's not the point. The point is focusing on her journey and her journey with grief and coming to terms with, hey, maybe it's not a goodbye, but more of, like, hey, I'll see you down the road type of thing, uh, which is the whole point of the movie. But I really enjoyed it. But not as much as my number two and number one. But, <laughs> but yeah, I throw uh, the uh, hat wonder, back to Lindsay. Yeah. Wonder wonder what could you, your number two and one be? Um, <laughs> we're all kind of... I, I, I did not realize how much of an echo chamber this would kind of be. Um, but <laughs> Lindsay, what is your number three? <laughs> Um, I'm still trying to decide. <laughs> oh, um, no, that's fair. No, it's just so hard because I I really really like this top three. Um, uh, I'm gonna go. With... I agree with you, Lindsay. My top three is also very very good. Um, <laughs> masterpiece films. Um, uh, I think we all can agree. But... I think so. I don't think that yours is, but I think that most oh, of us. Uh, interesting. The I respect yours. Do you not respect mine? I don't respect yours. I respect two thirds of yours. Hey, I, I respect two thirds of yours. I, I, I might, I might bump up a certain film a little bit higher than <laughs> if we keep doing this. Um. Yay, defiant! Hey, I like it. Oh my god. Okay, my number three oh. is gonna be Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, amazing, like powerful movie amazing acting amazing editing too like it's it's very suspenseful it's a great biopic it's it's a biopic that doesn't really feel like a biopic which is important um and it's important just to learn about fred hampton because i mean i didn't know much about him unfortunately and i don't think a lot of people do and they should um but i just it's a really great film and i'm glad that it got the best picture nomination because i was worried that it wouldn't but yeah Judas and the Black Messiah. I still, you know, I, I might be wrong. Um, I still think I got a chance to be right on my uh, prediction that it wins. Um, <laughs> That'd uh, it, be nice. it looks like <laughs> it looks like Nomadland, but it would be cool if I was right. Everyone else yeah. was wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'll uh, I'll move to my number three. Um, that's right. I, the aforementioned film, I was trying to weaponize Trial of Chicago 7. Because uh, <laughs> that is my number three pick. Listen, I didn't watch a movie for a whole month, and then I watched Trial of Chicago 7. If, if you, you know, if you throw a man into a desert for a month, that first drop of water is going to feel like an oasis, or however the saying goes. Uh, and I'm not saying that to diminish my thoughts because I actually really like this film. Um, but I do, I do completely understand a lot of the people that are like, oh, hey, wait, uh, Aaron Sorkin kind of rewrote some of this, especially like, they, look, I, I'm going to go ahead and say this to 
somewhat credit history teachers. I'll ask, you know, some people I went to school with um, if we did extensively learn about this or not. I don't feel like we did at all. So, like, the fact we have Trial of Chicago 7 and Judas and the Black Messiah, they do take, like, certain liberties. Trial, obviously, uh, in more problematic ways. And I can actually get into some of the ways Judas does that um, here in a second. Um, but I, I definitely get the Aaron Sorkin involvement. But that said, as a movie uh, that moves with electricity um i i really enjoy it i really love trial of chicago 7 so that is my pick uh and i'm glad sorkin wasn't nominated for directors because that movie is really well edited um i don't know if it's really well directed because it's a courtroom drama <laughs> but todd what is your pick for number three and two all right, so I switched at the last second because I had an emotional crisis. So, all right, I, I figured out, well, not a real emotional crisis, but um, I figured out that I wanted to switch these two. For number three, I am going to go with Minari. Uh, so I... Wow. Really, yeah. <clears throat> yes, so that leaves a film, I know. Um, so for my number three, I go with Minari. Uh, number three and two were pretty close for me. I'm pretty solid on number one, but, uh, it, some of it just relates to like how it impacted me specifically. There are two films that were both very emotional. Minari is in my opinion, representative of, uh, just a number of things. It's, it's the best film that represents family. That's the line that they're going to put on the box, right? <laughs> uh, the best film that represents family. I just think it's a really beautiful film with beautiful <laughs> characters that's wonderful and vibey and beautiful and has a great score and all these different things. And so, yeah, I like it a lot. That's my number three is Minari. My number two is The Father. Um, so this is a film that... I think you could probably even go back and have a record of me making fun of it, at least on two different podcasts before I watched it, because I was so angry that I was going to have to watch another Anthony Hopkins uh, Oscar vehicle. But I think it's a oh, really oh, to, yeah. to be to be clearer, to be uh -huh. clearer. Um, that is going to be a clip on YouTube. I'm still working <laughs> on it because I haven't found the time. Um, but the exact quote is sure. Let's give Anthony Hopkins an Oscar nominee, even though there were 10 people of color that had a better performance. Todd. Yes. You have told me Anthony Hopkins was one of the best performances of the year. I think he's around five or six. So on, on the year. So if you want hmm. my real vote, my vote is I want five people of color nominated because I just think that's badass. But him getting nominated doesn't make me as angry as it used to make me because if you've seen this film, <coughs> then you'll realize how important Anthony Hopkins is to the development of the film, including like the final scene, which I think in almost anyone else's hands maybe could have gone wrong, but Anthony Hopkins just pulls off in such a wonderful way. Here's what it is, I think. This is a cop-out, but I think as I'm getting older, as I know parents of friends who have gotten dementia etc it's just such a terrifying thing to happen you know what i mean to lose your mental uh, capa uh capacities um and to lose the ability to trust your brain <laughs> and so this film in my opinion 
shows through editing and good acting this like problem with losing capacity of your brain in a way that other films just haven't. And so I, I really found it powerful. So it's my number two. Nice. That's fair. Yep. Um, and look, the bit aside, after the Oscars, I'll probably watch it. <laughs> oh, it's a good film. Yeah, it's, you should. I, I, yeah, I have it to, really surprised I have to me. To my guns. I have yep. to stick to my <laughs> guns here. Um, I respect that. <laughs> but for my number two, um, I have Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, which I think is a masterfully done film. Uh, a lot of uh, what Lindsay obviously said earlier, um, because we all love this film when we recorded on it. And I do think, like Lindsay was saying, like it's it's really more than a biopic in some ways, which is really cool. Like it has action moments, and normally that would be like a slight action moment, and it wouldn't be well edited, and it wouldn't have like tension behind it. Um, one thing I will say as like a slight, and I don't even know if this is like on the film or what, um, Todd is the one that brought this up to me in, in the review. Uh, I, I think it was Todd, but casting who they did with Kaluuya and Lakeith, um, they do look a certain age. So it is good, like, obviously, hopefully most people, like, look up this stuff afterwards. Like, these were young adults at best, kids, kids, really, like, children, uh, still, like, figuring things out. And they were, one of them was a revolutionary that was helping a lot of people and and meant a lot of things. And I, I feel like the film does kind of undersell that aspect because of that. But it's, I mean, it's still a fantastic movie i have it at my number two um and i debated putting it at my number one i you know um if this was a 2020 release uh i i'd have much harder time picking my favorite of the year um but i just wanted to mention that aspect of it but again lakeith kaluuya they're incredible uh and i hope uh, dominique fishback is in everything because she was also great uh but Lindsay, what is your number two um my number two is minari um, I just watched it again recently. I think I, I always love movies about families like that, um, especially when they just feel so personal. And this was just a masterpiece in that kind of cinema. Um, the acting is amazing. And they just they just felt like such a real family. Like you could just tell that this movie was coming from such a place where it's like it really meant a lot to somebody. And it's we it's like such a specific perspective but it can real like you can relate to it on so many levels too at the same time um i just think it's a really great movie i don't know i like it a lot so it was it was hard to pick between the two of them but yeah minari good movie nice and nick will finish his list out with two and one all right, so two and one. Before I finish my list, I want to say that I've liked most of these movies except for Mank. But um, <laughs> but yeah, we're gonna <laughs> but yeah, we're gonna start things off with uh, Minari at my number two. Um, I really love this movie. It's so heartwarming. I find this story very very moving in some aspects because you have this family who's trying to trying to make something for themselves or rather the father's trying to make something for his family in this new world 
that barely knows anything about him. And it's it's such a different life than what they're used to coming from like the the coast more into inland into Arkansas and that whole Appalachian Mountain area. Um, it's such an it's such an interesting part to talk about when uh, sorry I lost my train of thought. I'm a dumbass. Uh, it's, it's such a it's a good story to talk about. Uh, a lot of filmmakers will start making their films about their early childhood, but there's always like, in some cases, there's always like a uh, mysticism around it, or at least some sort of like a cotton candy, rose tinted glasses way about it. But this director takes his story and says, okay, well, I had some really good moments, but this is kind of how it was. And it's so emotionally honest with, how it's presenting its story. I also like the grandmother. Like, <laughs> I, I just like the relationship between the grandmother and the boy. Like, it's just hilarious. I really liked it. Yeah. Um, and there's there's and elements the of movie... it. Like... Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I was just going to mention the movie does comedy extremely well. Yeah. And it's uh, like the comedy is not like slapstick. It's more situational. It's, you know, it's also just more in line with the family itself. Um, and there's elements that, you know, that that show that like, oh, this place is kind of like a little different. Like they go to church and they're kind of like it, it's also it's also like when they do the church scene in that whole thing. I'm I'm both kind of like, oh, this is a nice little scene. But then you start to notice some of the underlying like, oh, yeah, we're outsiders type of thing. It's like, oh, OK, I see what you did there. And it's it makes you understand what this life was for him and his family, how different they were viewed by outsiders, but also how they viewed themselves in this situation and how each of them have a different perspective on where they live. And it's interesting. I really enjoyed that aspect. Um, and then in my number one, with no surprise whatsoever, it's Judas and the Black Messiah. I really like this movie. Um, I... <laughs> I have nothing really much to say. The, the history of Fred Hampton is usually like slept upon in every history class ever. Like they'll talk about like the civil rights era, but they never really talk about the fallout from the Martin Luther King era. And this is a story about the, uh, the black revolutionaries, the black Panther party, uh, everything that came out of uh, what happened to Dr. King and with Malcolm X and it's it's interesting, and I really like the performances by Daniel Kaluuya and uh, Keith Stanfield. Uh, all of them give their all in this performance. And when you do show side by side with a lot of these, between historical uh, video and with you know this film, you can see a lot of parallels between the two, and it just makes for a great performance when I can actually see the person come out of a specific uh, performance. And uh, it's shot well. It's produced well. I like some of the music, although sometimes some of the music can get a little bit repetitive in some cases. There is a song that repeats sometimes, but I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, there's my number one. Nice, nice. Lindsay, what is going to be your number one? JK, we already know. It's Nomadland. What? It is Nomadland. <laughs> um, no, I, I don't get like your issues with it, but... Um... I just thought, I, I mean, I'm a sucker for cinematography. So, like, as soon as I saw a sunset shot, I was like, cool, I love this movie. That's all I needed. Um, <laughs> no, I just I, I just thought it was like a really beautiful movie. Um, 
I, it made me so emotional, and I was like, I couldn't even tell why. Like, I was just crying, <laughs> like, watching it, and I was like, why am I crying? Like, it just, I don't know. It just really touched me. Um, I just thought it was, like, a really beautiful view of the world, and it made me really excited to see more movies from her, because I just think that, like, the way she filmed it was just so captivating, and it was just made the world look so beautiful at a time when the world was so not. Um, so, I don't know. I just, I, I really, really liked Nomadland. And it was cool. Nice. Awesome. Uh, then I'll move to my number one, uh, which is going to be Minari, um, which I am shocked that I was the only one that picked Minari number one. Obviously, you, everyone here loves Minari, uh, just to be clear. But I love Minari the most, clearly. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, no, I, I, I honestly... I honestly think I could not have watched Minari like at a better time just because like <clears throat> I cannot reiterate this enough. I was so heated because of the schlock that we got for Hillbilly Elegy and had heard it was bad, but like not bad. I just, I didn't think it was bad in the way of like, yeah, we're kind of gonna like Hollywood the South and make certain aspects appear great but we're gonna make it look like meth is the only problem down there or whatever um and i, I really agree with what nick was saying it, it does not shy away from anything that happened it, it's just a story about uh how someone grew up and it's it's so relatable in every aspect just gener it, it speaks so so much generationally um these dynamics between this family uh, like Lindsay was saying, this is such a believable family here. Uh, they're incredible. And if if I could, if if I was in charge of the Oscars, I would make sure um, every single one of them was nominated for an Oscar because uh, that's what they deserve. Um, but I'm just, look, look, Chloe Zhao winning, that's going to be awesome. It's going to happen. But don't I'm, – I'm just going to be honest – I'm a little – I keep refreshing the odds, and uh, Lee Isaac Chung is still 4-1. to one. Um, So he's he's not that far. Um, but, yeah, no, I love Minari. Minari's incredible. Minari, Minari, y'all know what it's about. Um, the poster's pretty bad, though, I will say that. Um, but, Todd, Todd, what is going to be your number one? Um, my number one – is what I genuinely believe was one of the best films of last year, Judas and the Black Messiah. I think its nomination is really great. It's driven by stars. Um, Daniel Kaluuya does a wonderful job. I am more obsessed with Lakeith Stanfield, who I think got screwed out of a Best Actor nomination by being put into the Best Supporting Actor, but at least he's now an actor, excuse me, Oscar-nominated actor. Um, so that's, uh, I'll, I'll take it. Um, but genuinely, I think this is historic in that it's one of the most like overtly anti-white supremacist movies that's ever been nominated for Best Picture, and that it's a film that attempts to show okay we had green book <laughs> that's fair that's fair 
other than Green Book, but it had a, like you are you are correct. Uh, but uh, it's <laughs> it's a film that though is so unapologetically like anti system, and I don't think we appreciate that enough. System delegitimizing frames being used in movies. In other words, like showing like stories and these you know what i mean like ways of thinking about things that show that the system as a whole is flawed just isn't that common in like mainstream celebrated movies and i think it's the second best edited film of the year for me that's the father if i had to vote but like i think it's the second best edited film of the year and i think the scene at the end where what everyone knows happens to fred hampton happens is one of the best edited emotional amazing scenes of the last couple of years it's it's my favorite scene of the year it's just done so well so that's my number one of the year yeah and and just to add to that a little bit um the thing like i keep going back to with judas and the black messiah is i mean you talk about it the way like we literally have trial of chicago seven to compare it to um just the black messiah goes out of its way to keep telling you the lesser of two evils is still definitely evil and still like going with this said system that like is super flawed and super wicked. And uh, meanwhile, Aaron Sorkin's inserting Joseph Gordon-Levitt as the reasonable thinking man um, in his movie. So yeah, I, I definitely get that as like a huge gripe for trial um, real quick. I have our group rankings. Um <laughs> that I did not affect really <laughs> because Mank and Trial are at the bottom. Uh, Mank with nine points, Trial of Chicago 7 with 11, and Promising, Promising Young Woman uh, at sixth uh, with 13 points. The Father, uh, because I had it last because I'm a cultist that believes it's not real, um, with 16 points. Um, in four is Sound of Metal with 17 points. That actually is very surprising to me. Um, and <laughs> then Nomadland at three with 21. Uh, Minari at two with 28. And Judas and the Black Messiah at one with 29 points. Who would have thought? Um, so pretty cool list, but that'll, that'll do it. You dropped the episode. father down for no reason. I know. Not a real movie. Can't tell me otherwise. <laughs> Bye. 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 Bye.